This episode of Behind the Bots is brought to you by Fingertech Robotics, North America's top manufacturer of combat robotics parts. If you're interested in building your first combat robot, check out Fingertech's Viper Kit, which includes everything you need to build a fully functional, competitive ant weight. Fingertech also carries a complete line of wheels, hubs, motors, and other components if you want to build a bot from the ground up. Check them out online at www.fingertechrobotics.com. From the tile and grout aisle at our local home improvement store, testing all the waterproof sealants, this is Behind the Bots After Dark, the podcast that brings you the steamy stories of the builders behind BattleBots. I'm Chris. I'm Luke. I'm Lindsay. And this is Kyle. And today on the podcast, our interview with waterproof sealant builders, Joe Fabiani, Brandon Zielinski, Tommy Wong, and Izzy Cow. Quick content warning. This interview is a little heavy on the innuendo and has a tiny bit of profanity. So maybe come back to the episode later if you happen to be listening with kids. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Behind the Bots. And if you like what you hear, tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have four news items for you today. First up, BattleBots this week posted cryptic photos of an airplane hangar and the inside of Anaheim's Honda Center, two images that fans widely speculated were of potential venues for the 2021 season of the show. For the past five seasons, BattleBots has filmed at a former Boeing manufacturing plant next to the Long Beach Airport. Last year, an Australian real estate developer purchased the property for an estimated $200 million and put it on the market. BattleBots is now searching for a new home. BattleBots this week published their latest basement fight between rookie bots Slamo and WarEZ. If you'd like to check out that fight now, sign up to become a BattleBots supporter on Facebook. On over to Massachusetts, where the team behind Bloodsport is submitting two applications for the 2021 season of BattleBots with what appears to be a new lifter bot called Retrograde. Submitting multiple robot applications is the hot new craze this year, with multiple applications also coming in from the teams behind Endgame, Shatter, Smee, P1, and of course, Team Wayachi. And finally, the teams behind Hijinx and Valkyrie are running separate art competitions starting this week, with the winners being awarded a limited edition Hijinx team jacket and a Valkyrie-branded set of knuckles, which they use this season to press the starting button. If you're artistically inclined and love Hijinx and Valkyrie, look for details on both teams' respective Facebook pages. All right, let's switch gears and get into our recap of the beta episode of BattleBots Bounty Hunters. Just real quickly before we get into this, yeah, I think it's really funny that when we had Paul on and we asked him about if he was going to do another robot, and he's like, you know, I'm thinking about it, but more robots, more problems. You know, it's something I'm considering, but I haven't really like thought it out yet. Yeah. And then all these other teams are like, yeah, I made the top eight. That means I'm good enough to do another robot. <laughs> right? Right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Like, I have a theory, Kyle. I have a theory. Um, so my theory is 
that um, these are actually like rookie bots that are being submitted by like a team member. Like, I don't think it's going to be, the, well, I don't know, could be not necessarily the same captain, but it's like, oh, I'm going to put you under the shatter umbrella, you know, but like one, somebody else is going to captain this one versus like. Yeah, they a, have to, like they have to have different drivers and different captains by BattleBots rules. Right. Um, so yeah, like I, I think maybe it gives like a boost up for some of these applications versus like, hey, my like driver is going to build a robot and submit an application all by him or herself, you know. Um you know, instead it's like, oh no, you're 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 under the the team Wayachi umbrella, you're under the, you know, uh chatter umbrella or something, you know. Um, right. So I'm going to share my resources and my time basically, you know, to make sure that you're successful. Kind of like co-signing on a house, you know? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Uh, I don't know. It seems, I mean, it seems like a real sketchy proposition, especially this year, just because there's going to be, there's so such limited space potential. Yeah. yeah I yeah. almost wonder if like you have a better chance submitting independently because will they look at it like oh we don't want to have too many teams from the same group of people we want to like be more diverse even if it's like different people running the bot like will it look like it's too much like independently? yeah, yeah I, that's valid yeah i mean I, I would say like if i mean for, if if i understand the select process at all which admittedly i don't but like it seems like number one is is it going to be entertaining is it going to work and number two is going to be like can you go four fights and potentially eight fights and signing up with the super group um kind of like coming under someone else's banner i think clinches that second part which is always the biggest question with rookies yeah i think like battlebots probably is not a huge fan of the like hey, I'm a total rookie. I've never fought anywhere. I show up with this super ambitious robot. It gets three basement fights and then you never see me ever again. You know, like I'm not part yeah. of the community. I don't have an online following. Like I can't sell a single t-shirt to save my life, you know, like versus, oh, hey, you know, I've got 10,000 fans on Facebook and we're going to be promoting these two robots in the show and stuff. Yeah. But I don't know. I, I've absolutely strayed into wild speculation territory here, you know. That's a good point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right, let's switch gears and get into our recap of the beta episode of BattleBots Bounty Hunters. This was an episode that gave fans one last look at the new and improved beta, which limped through the regular season, earning a controversial judge's decision win over Rotator that nearly broke the fandom to unsatisfyingly squashy wins over Grabot and Rusty before being knocked out in the round of 32 by Ribot. This season, we were told over and over again that Beta was a powerful hammerbot, but we saw very little of that power on display and basically none of that power in this episode of Bounty Hunters. Instead, it was Donald Hudson and Lockjaw, no stranger to a one-day tournament, who ascended, defeating Axe Backwards, Fusion, and Bloodsport before picking apart Beta in a match that was almost too graphic for TV. Later, we learned that Beta had come to the competition with a fatal design flaw that doomed its season from the start. Its powerful electromagnets engaged every time it fired its hammer, planting the robot to the floor. In practice, that meant Beta had to pin its opponents to the wall and then fire its hammer. If they tried to fire the hammer in the middle of the arena, it would stop the bot's forward momentum and allow its opponents to escape before the strike. 
Mm. All that said, we're huge fans of John Reed and Gabe Stroud, and we'd love to have them both on the show at some point in the near future. Beta, of course, is beautiful. I'm really looking forward to seeing its return to the competition, this time possibly without such powerful magnets. Kyle, I would love to get your thoughts on this episode of Bounty Hunters. This was probably my favorite of the tournaments. Really? Yeah, I just thought it was so much fun watching Donald Hudson just plow through this bracket was it gave me all sorts of uh tingly feelings remembering the original desperado tournament that he just plowed through um and it was just a lot of fun matches in this tournament i mean really good if you're into good squash matches you've got your blood sport versus aegis mm. if you're into really good controversial judges decisions or just controversial referee calls you got your hijinks versus slamo oh yeah you know, you've got your your powerhouses fighting each other with Bloodsport versus hijinks. And then you've just got Donald outthinking everybody. Literally yeah. everybody. Yeah. Um, and I liked it. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it had a good a good storyline to it, if you will. And the fights were pretty good. All right. Here's my question. Why wasn't Donald Hudson and Lockjaw the bounty? And why wasn't Beta just one of the eight robots that were chasing the bounty? Yeah, I a lot of the competitors have the same question. Why wasn't there also a Lockjaw bounty episode? Um, and, you know, I don't know. I really don't. Um, Lockjaw has been around longer than Beta as far as BattleBots goes. Well, not really. Technically, Beta was trying to fight in BattleBots before modern BattleBots. But... That, that's beside the point. They weren't able to fight, um, mm. and Lockjaw was. So, yeah, Lockjaw and Donald Hudson, for sure, need a Bounty Hunter episode. They they need to be the bounty in an episode. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wonder if they made the beta episode, like, in hopes that it would appeal to British fans, you know? Sure. Because uh, John is obviously a legend in Robot Wars and, and the sport in the UK. Um. That's why they threw a Danby in the tournament, too, just to try to cover all their British bases. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It, like, the like Beta looks so beautiful this this season. Um, yeah. Every single time that they, like, they really like getting the shot of the inside of that robot because it just looks gorgeous. And the performance, I just feel like it hasn't lived up to the hype. And I don't know. Like, in some ways, I'd rather them, like, go into the tournament at two and one, just kind of middle of the pack versus like, Hey, it's a three and one robot, you know? Um, and then to, to see this match where you're like, so clearly outclassed by, um, by vertical spinner, like is, is tough. It's, it's tough. Yeah. But they fired their hammer a couple times, you know, uh, so they, they, they got that part kind of figured out. And yeah, what you were saying earlier about the electromagnets being problematic because they engaged and prevented all forward momentum. Um, there's just, I mean, that sounds like it's a control issue. Like you, you have to be able to turn that on and turn that off as needed. I'd imagine for, cause you want that ability, but you don't want that ability all the time. Um, you know what? Give me a crazy hammer. You know what I mean? Give me a hammer where you're flying yourself up in the air, like landing, like, like, you know. But that's a less effective hammer. You know, like that's the goal is you're trying to get all that force into the opponent instead of flinging yourself up into the air and doing all sorts of crazy stuff. 
All right, correct me if I'm wrong. Shatter also has electromagnets, is that right? Am I remembering that correctly? Shatter does not have electromagnets. Okay, who has electromagnets? Someone else does. Uh, Chomp attempted electromagnets. Okay. Mm. They were unsuccessful. Mm. Let's see. Um, Vita attempted electromagnets. They were unsuccessful. Now, this is in their first go around, right? And in fact, they just had to dial their hammer way back in their first like official season in BattleBots because um, you know their their electromagnets didn't work on that floor. Uh, mm -hmm. And then on this floor, they worked just a little bit too well. Let's see, electromagnets. Huh. There are other bots that use magnets to help them stay to the to like low to the ground or stay to the ground. Um, yeah. But it is not. It is not a as common as you would think for a bot to want to completely and totally sink itself into the ground like Beta does. All right, I had to Google this because uh, I, I needed to double check. Shatter did in fact have magnets, but I don't think they had electromagnets. I think no, they, had... they just had the the magnets to help them stay right grounded yes. because they were like that was to help them with the ground game, people getting up underneath them and stuff. Got it. Got yeah. it. Yeah, and they were just rare earth magnets. I do remember him talking about that because he had to battle harden those. Yeah, yeah. Now, another thing, and this is, um, you know, I said this during the regular season when we were going through this episode. This episode of Bounty Hunters, to me, proves that um, Shatter, best hammer bot. Yeah, yeah. they bought Donald Hudson and left them a smoking, <laughs> wasted mess. So... Yeah. 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 Uh, you know, I, I would say there there is something to be said for the super tanky hammer bot a la Blacksmith, the mm -hmm. super energetic hammer bot a la Shatter, you know, yep. and not the super delicate hits once or twice super hard kind of, you know, like that's that's a hard hammer bot to, uh, you know. Yeah. And in their first run, right, when they were not they did not have their electromagnets and they had their way dialed back hammer. Um, you did see a lot more hits from beta than what we saw this time. So it makes sense that that electromagnet really was preventing their ability to like do the hits on the fly. Like they used to do before the thing mm -hmm. that was really effective for them before was that giant sloped wedge, which basically kept their opponents a good like 10 inches from their actual body because there was you know a lot of air armor underneath that wedge um and we saw several times this season too with beta where they would just use that weird flat front piece for uh for vertical spinners and it's like but why yeah what's yeah. the point yeah yeah well yeah they chose twice to do that so yeah. like yeah, I, I'm very curious about that. If slash when we have John on the show, I'd love to learn more about that because clearly John is smarter than every single one of us, including all of the fans put together. And, um, you know, came out with that configuration that just seems mind boggling, you know, because um, you don't want to give a vertical spinner any kind of flat surface because they just like find find an angle on that, you know, like yep. it's terrible. So who knows? All right, a lot of questions. Uh, good, good on Donald, and and good, good on on the team. Um, it was great to see them run another tournament all the way through. Um, 
and and win bounty hunters. So so congratulations there. Yeah, if uh, if BattleBots ever becomes a live television show or just a live event show, uh, you should just look to Lockjaw and Donald Hudson winning every single time because that guy can just run a one day tournament like it's nothing. Yeah, that's true. All right, and that's it for this week's news and recap of BBBH. After the break, our interview with waterproof sealant builders, Joe, Brandon, Tommy, and Izzy. This week on the podcast, we have four very special guests, Joe Fabiani, Brandon Zielinski, Tommy Wong, and Izzy Cow, the supergroup behind Kalk. If you happen to catch last month's live broadcast of Norwalk Havoc, you're already familiar with this group's backstory. Four championship three-pounders banding together to enter the 12-pound division, which they won, defeating Ankle Grinder, Demigorgon, Promhita, um, to take home $1,000 in cash and a golden dumpster that they had to split four ways. This month, we learned that the team applied to BattleBots with a similar concept with scaled-up versions of Smee, Starchild, and Droopy. We are really looking forward to going deep with Kalk in the hour ahead. So welcome to the show, Joe, Brandon, Tommy, and Izzy. Hey, how's it going? Really good, really good. Thank you guys so much for being here. Um, I'm so glad we could make it so soon after you guys kind of announced that you uh, have applied to BattleBots so we can be as topical as possible. That makes me happy. Um, so let's start with introductions. Um, so what do we like to do when we have big groups come in, big teams, is we like to have you guys introduce each other. So, um, you know, if you don't know that much about the person you're asked to introduce, just make stuff up. That's fine. And uh, we'll get going. So to start us off, Joe, can you tell us about Brandon? So, Brandon. Um, you may know him from BattleBots. He has this robot called P1. It's a front-end flipper. We actually fought last year. We had an amazing fight. Um, yeah. It's an amazing drivetrain, an amazing robot. But for Beetleweights, he's built this other robot called Starchild, which is like um, a large-wheeled robot that has basically a combination of a thwackbot and a vertical spinner. So you hit overhead with the, uh, with the, with the axe armor that has a spinner on it. It does crazy amounts of damage. So it was great um, to see him going from like one event where he had some uh, um, uh, kinks to iron out, and then immediately he's, he got to like third place, and then third place, and then fourth place, I think, if I'm probably forgetting something. But he immediately was a, on the short list for, for the initial cock uh, concept because it, it's able to do damage for do damage to like uh, to other kinds of robots that like obviously you don't want to approach a three pound with the same kind of or a 12 pound with the same kind of um uh weapon that you do for a normal robot so he he does unique damage he has a unique robot so it's awesome yeah that's my introduction for brandon that's a very good introduction all right so brandon uh let's see if you can beat that can you tell us more about joe fabiani cool so i only found this out recently and it's kind of funny uh, but Joe and I kind of started to go to events around the same time. The first like really big Beetle event I went to was actually close in time to the first one that he went to. Uh, we were both at New York Maker Faire in 2018, the year that uh, there was like a little BattleBots presentation there, like Brutus and Valkyrie and Huge and some other robots were there, if, if anybody who's listening was there. Uh, so it, it was pretty funny because uh, I, I didn't really know him at the time. 
Um, I just kind of saw his robots and moved along, and we, we fought at mass destruction events. We fought at and the most. The one I remember most was fighting his three pounder, his SME, the flat front one that's utterly dominant at the beetle weight class, with a horizontal spinner, an overhead horizontal that I had at the time called Star Child, or not Star Child, they called Crash Dive, and it has like a 1.2 pound overhead. And I was able to haircut his like drive gears off of his robot, and then he beat the snot out of me. Uh, <laughs> but his his drive worked, continued to work, and he was able to to bash me around the box and, and beat me. And he actually he gave me one of the little drive gears out of his robot, and that was the first thing that I had ever received in a fight. So I was like, <laughs> oh, this is cool. And then over the years, we kind of started talking more, and then especially in the last like six months. It's been like a step up. We've talked way more and more. We hang out way more and more. And then it was just one day we're like, okay, we now have beetles that are effective. Can we turn this into a 12 pounder that's effective? And that was the start of Cock. And that is Joe. <laughs> that was great. Thank you so much. Um, so next we'll go over to you, Tommy. Tommy, welcome to the Behind the Bots podcast. It's uh, nice to finally have you on. Um, so can you tell us about your teammate, Izzy? Absolutely. So you may see Izzy on BattleBots as another member of a team that I was also on, Team Big Deal. And right. the sort of experiences that uh, she encountered at BattleBots uh, may have helped her sort of or inspired her to continue pursuing more robotics. And as for, you know, her involvement with Norwalk, for example, you may know her for her robots named after Taylor Swift songs, of which all of them are named after Taylor Swift songs. And her involvement with uh, Team Cock is as the penguin handler, which we will elaborate further later on. <laughs> uh, that sounds terrifying and disturbing, but I'm really into it. Um, all right, Izzy, could you tell us more about Tommy? Um, so yeah, um, Tommy probably started doing robotics um, before all of us. I think he started doing since 2016. And uh, he also does battle boats, which I thought was pretty cool. He made it onto the William Osmond's video. <laughs> so yeah, um, that, that's the other story. But um, he started doing like surrender bots, which is basically all of like cardboard and like just uh, glue, hot gluing stuff onto stuff and make it work, which is pretty cool. Like, honestly, I think that's how battle bots should be like for fun. If you're just like doing battle bots for fun, um, or like combat robotics for fun, you should just like throw stuff together, which, which is like how you casually make robots. And then he's also on several teams of battle bots that I don't even know how many teams he's on, but now he's on cock. So yeah, and oh, most importantly, he designed Droopy, which won Norwalk Havik robotics competition last year. So that was pretty cool. Very cool. All right. Thank you, guys. That was great. Um, so I guess first let's talk about these bots. Um, so Joe, 
can you tell us a little bit more about Beetleweights Me and uh, kind of what you're planning for that platform going into this new collaboration? Yeah, so Beetleweights Me is very, very different from Heavyweights Me. Obviously, anyone who's seen them fight can attest to that. In that Beetleweights Me is very drive-focused. It can push people from the middle, whereas Heavyweights Me, since it bends, it can't really actually push anyone anywhere, no matter what. So um, for this collaboration, I think Beetleweights Me needs to return to its roots a little bit. Um, it needs to be able to push more more concisely. Uh, it can't bend. It can't, um, it can't try to corral anyone beyond that, because I think what worked great with... Uh, with Cock in the 12 pound class was that I could pin someone and then we could have other robots come in, especially uh, Starchild, and get hits overhead. And so, um, you know, or, um, the, the, for the purpose of this, we're going to have a lot more just focusing on pinning. I guess that's going to have to be it. Yeah, absolutely. That was one of the coolest things to see when you guys kind of developed your strategy throughout Norwalk was watching Smee run the interference and then pin the other bot while everybody else came in and got their shots. That was uh, really cool to see that strategy kind of develop through the day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, and so um, we're also going to have to have a weapon on Smee because it, for the for the sake of the rules in that um, anything over 20 pounds has to have a weapon on it. So yeah. there's a couple things being floated. Maybe smaller versions of the spinners or one spinner in the middle or something, but it's still going to have to be drive-centric in that it's, it's a lot smaller than the other robots are. I think we had a really good drag train with 80, 80 pounds-ish or 60 pounds, depending on what things end up shaping up to be. Very cool. Very cool. Uh, it's nice to know that you guys are still working these things out like at this moment, so we get to hear a little bit of that figuring it out design process. That's cool. Um, so, Brandon, can you please describe Starchild and talk to us about why it's been so successful as a Beetleweight? And what your thoughts are on it in this uh, in this new collaboration in BattleBots? So, Starchild, I think the number one thing about it is that it attacks in an uncommon way. I think a lot of people kind of have an idea of a top attack. Like if you say top attack to somebody who's like remotely experienced in Beetleweights, I think typically people think of like Sawblaze or uh, Samurai. Or and if you're looking for a beetle example, something with like two or four wheels and then an arm with a blade on it, which there's plenty of validity to that design. I mean, Sawblaze made what like top eight this year, I think. I think so. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of success to be had there, but I I kind of wanted to take a different spin on it, and it's like I wanted something that was a little bit different, and that's why I ended up building Starchild. The very first event I went to was November. And it was awful. I, I, I threw the belt in every fight on the weapon. It was really bad. But in the very last fight, a fight I lost, I put a gouge in the top of another robot that was like two inches long. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this can be something that is, uh, this is, can be something that I can turn into something that's success, successful. And then over the next two events, I've done a ton of upgrades. And the thing is, the cool thing about the robot is that it's a little bit of uncharted territory especially for me. So I'm even still, I'm just now looking like, okay, where, where can I take this design? So, I mean, right now, the biggest thing is that the traction of the drive is awful. So if you look closely in the, in the cockfights in the most recent Norwalk event, the, the drive just was slipping all over the place, especially once the traction tape comes off. And when it's slow, big box, small robot, it's brutal. It, and you can't get the same the same 
power on the chops that you want to. So I have a bunch of prototypes now that I'm going to prototype at the next Norwalk for cock. So it'll be uh, it'll it's it's still in development now of of what the final thing will look like. But that's that's what I like about it is that it's there's no is no defined answer as to what's right or what's wrong. That's awesome. Um, yeah, I, it's a really fascinating design to to see get around the box. And uh, thanks for explaining that about the friction tape. That actually explained mm -hmm. a lot about those performances and kind of like waiting for Star Child to get across the box to get those oh, massive yeah. hits. It's brutal because like especially with just the UHMW wheels just, just flat. I was I, I couldn't go more than half speed because if I go faster, I just spin the wheels and I either spin out or don't go anywhere. Because it's not like a car, you know, where you might be you might slide a bit, but you're okay. If you slide with these wheels, it's just gone and you lose control of it. So it's 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 really tough and it's it's an it's a problem that absolutely has to be solved in order to have any level of success. Yeah, and those physics are about to change on you quite a bit as you get bigger, for sure. Absolutely. Um, all right, so let's move on to talking about Droopy. So, Tommy, for our listeners who remember this is an audio format, if you could, please explain to them what exactly is a Droopy. So, Droopy is a very weird-looking robot, even by my standards. After looking at it for over nine, ten months, and it's basically just this flesh-colored naked robot that has two giant spinners and nothing else. It uses these giant bars to as both weapon and locomotion because as I change the rotation of one of the bars, uh, some uh, physics dictates that it'll lift up and twist around just a little bit. And that is enough to make it kind of slide across, kind of limp across the, the arena. And this robot is just such a, uh, hmm, let me think a little bit. This robot is just the combined total of a lot of work, probably hundreds of hours of just looking at it and trying to figure out how it would work and prototyping. And after a full 13 or so iterations and a full trash can full of parts, it finally works. Yeah, it works incredibly well. It is one of the most destructive machines we've ever seen at Norwalk Havoc by far. Um, so tell us about what your thoughts are for making this a larger scale robot. So one of the things about larger scale versions of this robot is that this is a robot that requires a lot of testing. And what I want to do is be able to do all of the experimentation and still get the same results that I want to get out of the Beetleweight. Because behind the scenes, it took a lot to get just to the event, to get it working. I had to make an arena, and I had to do a lot of design work and testing and iteration. Uh, so the iterative approach to designing really makes it so that I want to pursue the least cost. So. It, Given that, I'm designing a welded steel version of Droopy, which is currently in the CAD process. And there are certain things that I have to give up by going to steel compared to the Beetleweight version. But I think that it will be quite destructive, to say the least. Uh, I can only hope. So wait, does that mean you're going to build a test box at your house? Oh, there already is one there. A, one big enough to do like a 60-pound? Hmm. 
<laughs> yeah, that's a little on the sketchier side, which is why I'm going to mostly be testing with uh, a rounded no tooth version. Gotcha. Yes, slightly less sketchy. Um, cool. That's really awesome. All right. Uh, and then the final, I guess you could say, Dark Horse entrant, uh, Izzy, can you please tell us about this penguin you will be wrangling? You already said it's Dark Horse, so <laughs> I guess. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, this penguin, um, previously known as Joe's Smee Penguin, uh, well, not really, because it's also Droopy Penguin. Like, if you have seen Droopy in old iterations, it looks like a penguin. And Tommy does not want to admit that. But, so, but okay. this penguin is going to be better. It's going to be both. In the sense that uh, it's going to be a flamethrower, and it's going to be walking on its stomach. And What? Yes. And it's going to be walking with magnets drive <laughs> okay so um you can ask me questions later but this is all i'm gonna give up for now that's fair i appreciate yeah. that uh, no problem um all right so last month diehard combat robotics fans watched cock at norwalk havoc so i'd like you guys to tell us a little bit more about what happened whose idea it was, and uh, did you think at first it would win at all? So first of all, and I'll ask this one to the group, and then we'll kind of move on from there. Uh, whose idea was Cock? Oh, man. Yeah, initially, we, we tend to be pretty creative when it comes to our robotic endeavors. So there was a group call, and we somehow came up with the idea of Cock just through straight up. We have the idea, but we were trying to have a name for it. At this point, yeah. it was just it was just Izzy, me, and Tommy. So we were both kind of burnt out from the finals. It was it got so competitive and it got kind of unfun. Tommy obviously did pretty well, but I mean, we we Everyone's kind of thought, okay, how can we make the next event just just for fun? And then so we we were on a call with uh, Izzy and, and and Tommy, and we just like, hey, let's let's enter Smi and uh, and Droopy as a multibot. For, for three pounds, and then it kind of got to be like out of hand, I guess. We, we got yeah. more people involved. We got, uh, we got Brandon involved at that point, and then um, Evan involved from, uh, from Paint Train slash Shredder Bro. And the synergy of all these different robots kind of, I don't know, it just became cock. I think the biggest thing that you can see if you watch, I mean, it's only fought, what, four fights, something like that. Even yeah. if you watch just the fights in there, the development in the teamwork between the robots <laughs> is pretty hilarious. That my favorite part of the story is watching you guys become a super group. Like yeah. your first fight was just chaos and you won it barely and pretty much by luck. And by the end, it was like, Oh, they have like this is the Mighty Ducks. They have a strategy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like in the last fight, I get a I get a wheel on Star Child, get a wheel cut up, so it can't really drive great. And then Evan and Joe push me into the corner where the other robot is, and even if the wheels are stuck, it can still chop. And so I'm chopping into the top plate of the other robot, and so it's it, it, that I think was I think the most entertaining thing. And the coolest thing to watch as it as it kind of moved on and went from kind of like this complete joke into 
holy crap, they might actually win this. Uh, <laughs> and I think that's kind of the the vibe that we can translate into 250. Yeah. Oh, um, and uh, there's within good, there's always evil. And within <laughs> evil, there's always good. Therefore, Droopy was in there just as the chaos factor. You know, you always have to, you always have something going wrong. You always want to have something going wrong because that's half the fun. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I love that you guys took the friendly fire aspects of the team completely in stride. It was just part of the chaos factor. In pushing the other bot into Droopy, you also might accidentally careen into Droopy, and that's fine. That's just part of it. Get back up. Go back into it. Um, yeah, it's. I'm really excited to see... You know, A, for the big difference, I guess, for moving up into BattleBots is these Beetleweights you guys have been playing with for a while. You've been perfecting them for a while. Um, so it's going to be really interesting to see you guys have to worry about scaling up the robots as well as, like, keeping the same chaos factor, as you just put it. Um, so at Norwalk, you guys got a golden dumpster and $1,000. Did you guys split up that $1,000, or did it immediately go into the let's build a 250-pound version of this fund? I mean, for, 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 for me, the, the, we, we split it up four ways, but for me, the money is definitely going to go into to the heavyweight because, I mean, any, any money that we throw into that hole is being thrown in there. And we're gonna the the dumpster has not yet been cut up into four exact pieces, but I'm sure it will be. Uh, <laughs> yeah. next, next time we're all together, we're all really tired for the last event. But next time, angle um, angle grinder to that the dumpster, make it into four nice uh, chunks. I think that's the goal. Each of us get a letter. <laughs> yeah, one letter. N H R L. Yeah, too bad the dumpster got hijacked. You know, I don't know where it is right now. Did it now? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know Izzy. where he is. Izzy, can you please? <laughs> Izzy's holding the dumpster hostage. <laughs> yes. We have to first liberate the dumpster, and then we're gonna we're gonna. <laughs> we must liberate it, it and then we will cut it up. <laughs> I mean, there's a full machine shop at Norwalk Havoc. We could have just mm. cut this up there, guys. Yeah, we should have. <laughs> yeah, it was like uh, 12 a.m. So. Uh, yes, pretty, it was. It was pretty late. <laughs> it was very much so the middle of the night. Yes, not a time to bust out the bandsaw. Um. All right, so we know at least a couple of members of the BattleBot Selection Committee listen to this podcast pretty regularly. So if you could make your pitch directly to Aaron Catling or Greg Munson or Pete Abramson, um, why should they put Caulk on BattleBots next season? What sets you apart from other multi-bots that we've seen in the arena like Gemini or Four Horsemen? Let's go ahead and ask this one. Uh, we'll go ahead and start with Joe. Yeah, so so I guess what I'd say to that question is, this is going to be multi-bot that attacks in ways that are okay with having less weight for our weapons. Because when you look at the Four Horsemen or Gemini or all these different things, they're, they're basically scaled-down versions of heavyweights. And those can be really impressive in terms of what they can do, but they're also attacking from the same directions and in the same manner that, um, that uh, heavyweight would. So everyone's kind of prepared for that. Like a horizontal spinner hitting a um, heavyweight, uh, that's... Everyone's prepared for that already. So, what's a robot that's half or a third of the weight going to do? So, I think what the reason Cock works is because Smee is de devoted entirely to 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 wedging and pinning people, and then Starchild is entirely devoted to getting through people's top armors without getting KO'd by the wheels, and then Droopy is just pure weapon. So, 
the way this works is uh, we have we have um, a recipe for doing unconventional damage. So robots don't necessarily take us seriously. Many people don't take us seriously, but then they regret that later on. So I think that's the reason that I would say we're going to be different as a multi-bot in that we have um, just unconventional methods of attack and methods of cooperation too, because we can pin and then hit overhead and do all these different things in, in uh, working together rather than just trying to do something with different robots that don't really actually work in any way, uh, synergize in any way. Yeah, I can totally hear that. Um, so Tommy, can you tell us, I know you're in the early developmental thoughts and stages of it, but um, what are you thinking as far as actual like size on Droopy, the, the 60-ish pound version? How long do you think it's going to be? How big do you think those blades are going to have to be to scale this thing up to be something that works on a BattleBot scale? Look, I want my blades as big as possible. I just don't want to compromise on that. <laughs> and on the, on, the, on the beetle weight, that is honestly an absurd size. It's around 10 inches in diameter, and I got two of those. Uh, unfortunately, I can't just do the one-to-one -one scale because physics just doesn't like me. So yeah. I'll probably have to go a little bit, a little bit less of a diameter scale one-to-one. -one. Uh, I haven't done the math on it, but just know it's going to be big. <laughs> um, yeah, and I'd imagine to be able to get like locomotion out of those blades, you're going to be pretty high up there in the power scale of other horizontals that we see uh, putting out energy in this competition. Uh, I... I just cannot wait to see what kind of chaos that brings into the arena. And I feel very bad for the arena crew who will have to clean up after your bot. Oh, they'll uh, have to clean up the arena because that, the arena is going to be broken. That Very much so. Yes. Yes. Um, all right. So this is the big question that we've gotten from a lot of fans. Um, so what does this mean for P1 and heavyweights me are those still going to be competing as their own individual entities will like joe and brandon just be operating on two different teams um how is that going to end up working well one of the nice things about these about this multi-bot is that it's a lot less effort than building a 250 a single one so it can all be built essentially modularly. Mine can be built where I am, Joe's can be built where he is, Tommy's can be built where he is, et cetera. So it's not like something where we all need to be together. Yeah. And it's a lot easier to deal with. Uh, and and it, a 60, 80, 90, 100 pound robot is a lot easier to deal with than a 250 pounder. So, uh, I mean, obviously right now, the the question is still out from the selection committee. So we can't like talk too, too much. Uh, but uh, P1 is submitted for, for 2021. So uh that's that's where we're at now i mean in a perfect world every everyone would be able to be in and compete but obviously that can't be the case so um i think it's just gonna kind of go down until until how the cards shake out yeah that's fair i mean obviously so you guys so i guess what you're saying is and joe you know chime in here if uh if you have something else to add you guys would love to be to field two teams each you know joe joe field's SME and then is a part of Cock and Brandon is, you know, puts P1 out there and also is a part of Cock. Um, if the selection committee will allow you to do that. Mm. I mean, if there's going to be a lot of robots applying this year that uh, yeah. never applied before, and 
the same spots as before, maybe more or less a little bit, but it's 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 going to be tough. So, you know, whenever we can get in, we can get in, and we're we're excited no matter what. That's that makes a lot of sense. Um, all right. So before we get into fan questions, um, I just want to let everyone know that these are the cleanest questions that we got. No. There were a whole <laughs> lot of others that we can't, in good conscience, read on a family-friendly podcast. However, How about, like we do a dirty version and also a clean <laughs> version. Behind the bots, uncensored. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I think I think that's the approach we should go. <laughs> give us, give uh, us the dirty version. <laughs> no, give us. The- <laughs> oh no. Like, ask whatever you want. You can decide what to cut and what not to. That's fair. Okay. I, I actually like that. Uh, I also kind of like the idea of doing a like, extra content dirty version. Uh, so yes. maybe, maybe we'll do that after we uh, read through the regular fan questions. If we've got time, we'll sit here and, and do a, uh, a for the, a behind-the-scenes dirty version for everybody. How's that sound? Yes, we all need to drink, for, <laughs> I'll drink a lot more for that shit. <laughs> Um, all right, so here we go. First up, we've got Copperhead team member Luke Quinn. Um, he also competes with a uh, 12-pounder called Kitten Mittens. Uh, he wants to know, is waterproof sealant a no-brainer for the BattleBots selection committee? And that does lead me to, to ask you guys another question. Uh, if BattleBots asks you to modify your name as Luke and I modified your name without your permission at Norwalk Havoc, sorry about that. Uh, would you would you go along with that modification, or would you demand that you remain cock? I think they want us for the cock. <laughs> Not gonna lie, and. Like to me personally, I would very much prefer to keep the name as our brand. And um, I mean, a name change, it depends on how good the name change is. And I think, I'll, yeah, Brandon, okay. go ahead. I think the best, I, sorry, to, sorry to talk over you. Um, no. I think the best, I think the best case scenario is if, if it's that much of a problem, um, you know, the, you know, the, uh, the, I, th- I think they're a member of like the chimpanzee family, but the macaques. I think that is the next. I think that's the next best uh, name. So we'll just we'll just go to that. We're gonna be a, a fully fully ape themed uh, ape themed team. You know, apes together apes together strong, and we will uh, we will we will we will uh, succeed that way. Right. I appreciate that idea. You know, there's also a variety of tree that's called Pinus rigida. <laughs> okay. There's an endless number of names that we can there's, come there's up there's with. There's all sorts of options we have here, so don't don't worry about that. Yeah, we do there's, have like a list of names that we can change to. There is no escaping us. What is us? Cock is inevitable. Yes, <laughs> we are Jack. Of course. <laughs> no, all right. So here's here's my next my next listener question. This is from Collier Wallace. He has actually a couple of hard-hitting questions. First, and this is one that I have also been curious about, um, is this a legitimate entry and not some sort of elaborate joke? Let's just get that out of the way. I think the number one thing to answer that would be, did you think we were a legitimate entry uh, when we entered Norwalk 12-pounders? 
no, I thought you guys were making terrible life choices. I thought you guys were wasting a whole bunch of money by throwing three pounders in there to get destroyed. Quality three pounders. Oh, come into on. that arena to get destroyed. Boom. <laughs> right there. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, so here's another question, and this is, I think this might be a little bit of a misunderstanding of the rules on Collier's part, but I'll go ahead and ask it. Um, if you're given a weight bonus, do you think that you'll let it, they'll let you split it between the three bots, or could it only be applied to a walking bot like Droopy? Now, technically, Droopy wouldn't qualify for the weight bonus, right? Because he doesn't have articulated walking. Hmm. That's a good um, question. All right, wait, Kyle. Uh, I, I hate I hate to uh, to butt in here. Okay, all right. Uh, five hundred up to five hundred pounds for articulated motion, right? Like like chop. But there's also a separate section for unconventional non wheels. Okay, which I think that Droopy would fall under. I mean, the yeah. tough thing there too is that it's like it's so it's so subjective. Like the Walker thing is, it's basically like you apply this to Greg or to the selection committee in general, and then it's you basically are bestowed the weight bonus or you're not. And I get why they do it. Cause they don't want essentially someone to try and just like sneak in some enormous vert as a Walker. Uh, right. But it, that's, that's a little tougher cause it, it requires, it's like, Oh, do we plan for this weight bonus or not? When it's so based on a kind of uh, pie in the sky thought of what is a Walker? What isn't? So, I mean, Tommy would definitely have a better, better thought on, on that, but. Yeah, um, honestly, I just want my robot to be as thick as possible and thick with two C's. <laughs> yes, of course. Two C's thick. Um, yeah, so, hey, any selection committee members that are listening, give give Droopy a weight bonus because that boy wants to be thick. Um, and who doesn't like a thick beat of cock? Andrew Lindsay has a question on a lot of people's minds. Um is Droopy even legal by BattleBots rules? Well, how do you define legal, first of all? <laughs> I guess uh, allowable within the rules. Like, like, does is this thing covered under? Like, have they written rules that would actually actually qualify for this robot? You know, it was illegal for last year, for the record. Like, Smee was over the over the size limit, and it didn't matter. And I think this is a TV show, so Tommy can speak to the specifics. But hmm. honestly, I feel that it wouldn't violate the BattleBots rules per se. What it would violate is the the censorship rules that any television network trying to broadcast would have to face if they tried to broadcast a butt on live television. <laughs> uh yeah that's fair that's fair um okay all right so i have a, a four-part question from big dill team member brendan bennett young you guys might know him uh you guys competed against him with cock last month in the 12 pound division with his 12 pounder demi gorgon uh first of all he wants to congratulate you guys on letting your memes uh become dreams um, and Demi Gordon looks. Demi Gorgon looks forward to a rematch with you. Um, so his first question is about Shred It Bro from the original lineup. Uh, did Evan only want to compete with Pain Train? Did he not want to jump in on this with you guys, or could you not figure it out for the weight bonus? Was there some other reason? Like, um, 
you know, you were uh, you were a fearsome foursome, and now we're going down to a to a trio of damage and destruction plus a penguin. Yes. So I can answer that. Um, <clears throat> Evan, uh, God rest his soul, um, wanted to wanted to go watch King Kong versus Godzilla when we were all playing this, and unfortunately, he did not um, come back. <laughs> 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 however, however, to Evan, and I've told him this before, there's there's always a spot open for him in cock. There's always a spot for his cock in our arms. Yeah. <laughs> I mean the thought the thought right now is that we can have robots of, we can have one extra robot of a similar size to another robot and we can swap in and out much like everybody else swaps out modules and wedgelets and wedges and this whole thing. So yeah. the thought would be that it would be something if we swapped we swapped, swapped out and if somebody gets mangled to the nth degree we could just have the other robots like sub in, you know, so. Uh, yes, the fabulous Freebird rules. I bring that up on this podcast at least once every three months. But there was a tag team in the 80s that was actually three members, and they had within their contract that they were allowed to defend the title with any of the three members of their group. And there was a lot of debate in the 80s when people thought professional wrestling was real as to if that should be legal and allowed and fair because it seemed like it was too much of an advantage over the regular tag teams. With Wait, just are, you telling, are you telling me that professional wrestling isn't real? Yeah, I'm sorry. Did I, is that a spoiler alert? No! No! It's fictional. It's, uh, I mean, you know, it's pretend. Um, Unfortunately. All right. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's fun. Um, all right, so <laughs> uh, so here's another question from Brandon. This is specifically for Tommy. Um, so do you want to keep Droopy fairly compliant so it can flex on impact, or were you thinking something more rigid with a steel frame? Now, you said you wanted to go with a steel frame, but I think one of the things that we all really love about Droopy is the way that it takes hits and just kind of like warps itself out of shape and back into shape and then goes right back to fighting. Is there going to be some incorporation of that into the, the larger weight design? Yeah, that's a really good question. Now the issue is if I give Droopy a compliant frame, this is now hitting uncanny valley levels of Terminator. So it may <laughs> not be the best idea to see a Droopy get half its face ripped off because the sensors would just go wild. <laughs> Fair. Yes. I agree with that. Um, I, God, please make Droopy have an evil Terminator skeleton frame underneath the flesh-colored plastic exterior. That is what we all need in our lives. Uh, <laughs> so, Brandon, um, are you thinking about adding like rubber bike tread for the wheels, or um, like I know you said you were you were considering some different traction methods that you're going to test at the smaller weight class. What materials do you think you're going to have to kind of utilize at that larger weight to um, to give you the traction necessary to get around the battle box? So the the one really tough thing is that the floor is different. Uh, so the the floor that the three pound runs on is wood, and the and the twelve and twelve pound cock obviously is also wood, but and the two fifty is metal, which is obviously completely different. So we have some ideas for the wood floor that. We hope will work for the wood floor, but they won't exactly translate to the to the metal floor. So the the bike tread thing is definitely a good idea. Uh, I know it's something that a lot of other teams have used in the past, and it's it's definitely something that interests me. It's not something I'll I'll prototype and and give a shot. I've also thought of doing kind of like a urethane overmold, like we had 
so the 2019 P1 had UHMW wheels with urethane molds tread onto them. And the issue was is that they didn't they didn't hold on to the UHMW for anything. They yeah. it was actually kind of comical. You would since P1 is so fast, when you'd put it on the cart and jack it up and run the wheels at full speed, you could actually watch the tread separate from the wheel like a quarter of an inch. It was it was silly. It just did not bind bind to the the UHMW at all. So we're going to run into that issue again if we try to do it for the heavyweight. However, the advantage of the heavyweight is that the wheel is so big that you have this like outer ring, and you can mold you can mold the urethane around this outer ring, which gives you like a mechanical engagement that was not present on that P1 robot. So that's kind of what I'm hoping for that. And this is all just going to come down to, to prototyping and to and to get to to testing and seeing if we can get it right. So it's something I'm going to test at the smaller weight classes, and it's something that does not take much time or effort to to pivot to, and it's not there's no other parts of the robot that are gated by that design. So it's something that I can just change. And even if we bring even if I bring multiple different designs to the event. It's something that we can we can work on there. So so that's kind of my thought on the wheels. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, now, Joe, you told us that you're still trying to figure out what kind of an active weapon you're going to have to put on me to make it compliant with the rules. Um, I guess my question for you really is: Are you going to stick with the titanium wedge that you've been using on your three pound SME, or are you going to go back to something more? giving more flexible is it going to be like a combination of the two you'll have like multiple options to throw out there uh, what are your thoughts on what will translate best to a heavyweight class now that you've you've done some heavyweight robot driving yeah so um for the uh for the for the heavyweight um we we use the uh the uhw wedge because it's um very forgiving against 200 pound weapons but i think if we're making something lighter i think it has to be ar 500 or ar 400 um and then inclined not to bend, but rather to be as stiff as possible. And then I've learned with the uh, the beetle weight that having a stiffer wedge gives me a lot more agility and ability to dominate other robots just purely by wrapping them very quickly and everything. Because when you use uh, UHMW, it kind of flops around enough that you, you lose the edge in a fight. And um, especially if I'm not trying to bend anymore, I think it has to be something rigid Titanium is extremely expensive. It would be way outside our budget for for heavyweight. Um, yeah. So, or not rather heavyweight, like an eighty or sixty pound robot. So beyond that, it has to be uh, probably air hundred, and that would work within our budget. And it's really, really strong and hard. Oh, interesting. That's going to be a lot of fun. Um, and your weapon's going to be, you know, a weapon. It's going to, I'm sure, cut up some wheels, do some damage. But are you really, you said you're trying to go drive centric as humanly possible with this. Um, do you think, like, right now you're talking about attaching a weapon in the center. Is that going to make driving weird, having, like, a, kind of this outrunner of, of weapon in the middle? I'm not understanding how the physics would work with that. I mean, is it, would it work better as a horizontal? Would it work better as a vertical? What are, you, what are your thoughts just kind of off the bat for like a center-mounted weapon on something like that? Yeah, I mean, morally, I think I would never be able to go vertical spinner. I would just hate myself too much. So uh, horizontal, I think, is, the, is definitely the way to go. 
um, whether that's necessarily one in the middle or one on one side, the, the, uh, the image that obviously you've seen um, is, it includes both weapons as a scaled down version. They're like, I think seven pounds each or something. They're not enough to do damage to horizontal armor on robots, but maybe against the right opponent, you could get to a wheel or something. That said, um, uh, it's still up in the air. If, if I found a way that I felt that I could engineer a lifter that could reasonably lift heavyweight, um, with, with obviously a much lower weight class, um, then I would do that instead. But it's, it's still, um, that, that part is still to be decided. I'm definitely working on the wedge and the drive first. And then after that, this weight left over for the weapon, I'm going to make the weapon as best as I can. But obviously my role in, my role in this, uh, uh, collaboration is not weapon centric. Yeah, ab absolutely. Um, so Moving very swiftly from Smee to a flaming penguin of death, Izzy, if you could explain to us uh, a little bit more about uh, the penguin that we've all seen at Norwalk, which its first appearance, I believe, charred an entire corner of an arena and destroyed a camera, um, and that char was there for the rest of the event. Uh, can you tell us what, what, how this thing is going to move around the box and what exactly it's going to look like when it moves? Um, yeah, sure. So basically how the penguin works is that we started off with it being um, vertically and then we're going to have it actually fall, fall down. And that's just how the penguin goes. And obviously the flame is going to go from the, um, the behind like the under part of the penguin mm -hmm. and uh, yes um so a little bit of penguin bum fire as uh sarah yes. Mullion would put it um gotcha. if you ever there is a pretty um live video on like there are multiple live videos on youtube that um how the penguin shit so that's how it works <laughs> as like like flame okay i feel like i screw up this one so, wait, can, I, can I actually get back to you later? I don't know how to do this anymore. I thought that was incredibly valid. Oh, wow. Thanks, wow. I, I, I really need that. You basically spoke the CAD step file into existence. Yes. So, so that's how exactly the CAD is like. Like, if you just go, like Google how penguin shit, I, I guess um, then it will be <laughs> how the flamethrower works, which just imagine this shit being um, actual, um, like, I, I haven't decided on um, which uh, which kind of like ignite flame. Wait, what's the word? Someone help me. Igniter? Ig not igniter, like flame. What, what kind of agent? Like the fuel? Okay. Yeah, like, the fuel. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. The, fuel, the fuel has to be propane or butane at BattleBots, so. I think uh, it has to be the way. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. that's the rules. You can't put like oxyacetylene or anything on it. Okay, so got it. The, the design as it exists right now is is propane. Yeah, how propane about some and, wood and a fire starter. How about silly string? I don't it's think you're allowed. Good. I don't think you're allowed to do uh, hickory. Yeah, no, no, silly no. string is allowed. You could do that. Well, yeah, we're just gonna start an actual brush fire in the arena. <laughs> hey, oh hey, Greg, is 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 uh is wood allowed as a propellant for for fuel for a flamethrower? Has or... a nice season, seasonal scent to it, you know. <laughs> Consider the live audience. Oh, hey, God. hey, I've been I've been saying for years that they need to have more powerful 
uh, arena hazards. So that's what we're gonna do. It's just we're just dump a pile of wood in the middle of the arena and set. It's just the Yule log. Just set it on fire. This is just, the active forest sing, fire of the arena. King sing kumbaya around the center of the arena. Yeah, as if, as if like battle boss isn't hazardous by itself. But <laughs> that means that um, that's how the igniter's gonna work. So basically, um, how we're sort of like every one of every one of them is trying to help me figure out the technical how we're gonna do this. But the idea is, um, if you have if you guys ever seen KOB, there's this robot that's named Marsman, right? Mm-hmm. And um, how that one works is just uh, it's this standing robot that actually looks like a real robot compared to like all the other. RC car looking car, uh, RC car looking robots in BattleBots. No, yes. no offense to them, but they do like look like RC cars. <laughs> you anyways. talking crap about cars? No, talking I'm talking about Elon Musk, Marsman. <laughs> what the heck? No. <laughs> anyways, Marsman, how Marsman? It's actual Walker. Um, using magnet drive it's like this two magnetic feet just like moves around and um oh it's so bad that podcast didn't let me send out like a um picture because that will explain it perfectly but i mean it is an audio format yes it is in an audio format so <laughs> who can do a better job at describing marsman than i do please we i mean joe's uh, in person didn't he yeah, yeah, Joe. Yeah, yeah. So Mar- Marsman basically has two rotating feet that that aren't like wheels. They're they're the opposite. They're ninety degrees, so they're they're facing the ground, and they they move via via magnetic locomotion. So the the KOB floor and now the BattleBots floor is very magnetic. So you can use basically magnets to move. Um, so that's that's the concept for the penguin is to use uh, magnetic locomotion. Um, they're just. As soon as the fight starts, we tip over onto our belly, and then Izzy zips across the arena full speed, and probably to very, very poor results. But you know, that's the hey, way it goes. Hey, in the, hey, in the, hey, the, the penguins, the penguins very, very rarely start a fight, as anyone that's watched Norwalk can can attest to. <laughs> yeah, not not to brag or anything. I'm probably like have the most distracted weapon like among all of them. So yeah, I'm like the actual MVP here. So. Yeah, not not trying to break. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, no, uh, the flame does though. a lot of damage for sure. A hundred. Do we, do we want to do a? Do we want to do a weapon, guys? <laughs> Go, I love you. Wait, what was that? <laughs> Flames are a serious weapon, guys. Okay, Brandon. Yeah, they are. are. <laughs> um, all right, so I have another question from Heather Stringfellow. Uh, she says, watching Cock win was the high point of the weekend for me. Um, she wants to know, at one point, at what point did you guys realize, and Tommy, I'll go ahead and let you answer this one. Uh, what point did you guys realize this wasn't a joke, you actually had something that made sense and was going to work in the 12-pound weight class? Oh, uh, I mean, I don't think I, am, I should uh, be the spokesperson as uh, Droopy was the loner basically uh droopy was just doing its own thing you know <laughs> put bluntly <laughs> it's true um, and uh yeah. a lot of the teamwork uh came from just the coordinated efforts of star child and smee with just the the sheer chaos 
of Droopy just being flung around the arena and just running into everything. And yep. you know, at what point did I think it would work? Uh, honestly, yeah. I didn't even think it would work because I was just minding my own business. <laughs> Meanwhile, uh, you end up winning the entire 12 pound division. Uh, oh, yeah. And that's so droopy though, is like, you know, that's, uh, I think that is why uh, Droopy is so beloved by fans at Norwalk Havoc because it is just like so ridiculously uh, carefree. It's, uh, that's not even the right way to put it. Uh, disaffected. It just it doesn't care, but it's going to win everything and take your soul while it's doing it. Um, oh, absolutely. It took minds, honestly. <laughs> I think I think Tommy definitely is underselling himself, though, because when you watch those fights later on, he 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 effectively shuts off a large portion of the arena. Like any of the Topan robots could have attacked him, but they all avoid him. And maybe he does some friendly fire and takes out all my widgets, but that's my fault. And he he actually <laughs> um, he 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 creates an environment where the opponent has to really think about where they move and how they move. And in, it's, it's in that environment that the, the robots that end up pinning the opponent and then doing damage um, are really thrive. So as an arena hazard, I think Droopy is great because maybe it doesn't get all the way to the opponent, but it does get far enough that they then have to really be careful about how they're moving and then they start making mistakes yeah. and then we start winning fights. Also, like part of the reason we started doing like 12 pounds or we even started deciding on doing like a beat away 12 pounds was because like we were trying to create like maybe like like as many weight bonus as we could. And when we read the uh, Norwalk rules, um, one of the rules was like the um, like as long as the heaviest robot on the motorbot team is like a walker like you get a walker bonus so like then we started just brainstorming like we have a walker we have like multi-bot and then that's already like the all the weight bonus you can get and then we can get in as many ro robots like as we can <laughs> yeah that worked very well um so yeah i guess you guys kind of figured out this would actually be effective after that second fight i think it would have been after the second fight that first fight did look like a fluke Hey, I I pulled the I pulled the, the entire every drive wire, all three phases of his drive motor wire out of the top of the robot. <laughs> they true. were sticking out of the top of the robot. So yeah, that first fight was all Brandon, one hundred percent. Like it was just flailing <laughs> until we got that. Until he got that hit. Um, but I think after the Demogorgon fight, we were we were terrified. I was terrified about my uh, titanium wedge getting totaled by a robot. And then after I got the Demogorgon fight and I realized, hey, I can actually take a hit from a 12-pounder, like a good 12 a Demogorgon is a very good robot, and I could take a hit without uh, suffering any damage. Then the tide started to turn in our minds, and we started taking things a little more ambitiously. Yeah, I mean, when we came in, it was it was something where like, oh, we'll, we'll win a fight and have fun. And then it was like, oh, holy crud, we could actually... Uh like win this and that was like i said earlier when the the teamwork started to come together and all that other fun stuff and i mean it's only been and it's only been a couple of fights on the on the on the 12 like there's still a lot of development to go there's still a a, a ton of of kind of trails to blaze on that on that front and i think i think the reason you you mentioned that uh people watching liked it i think the reason is is that it fights in an utterly unique way you know yeah there's you can't see anything that fights the way that that it does and 
you, you asked a question earlier that I think fits into this too. It's like, how will it be different to other multibots? In is a lot of other multibots have two or four or three multi, uh, two or three, four or three multibots that are all are the same thing. And Cock has multiple robots that are not the same thing, are wildly different, and have synergy between them. So I think that's the biggest thing. Yeah, that is such an interesting point to bring up. One of the things that we have been joking about in our kind of like podcast chat is the marketing possibilities of Cock as a team because you have um, bots with such extreme personality on the team that each bot could be its own like merch machine. Um, one of the things that I think everybody asks Tommy every time he brings Droopy to an event is, hey, where's the Droopy merch? Fine. And you guys want the merch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, everybody wants Droopy merch. Um, but with Cock, you would be able to have, like, awesome Star Child merch. You would be able to have, like, really awesome Droopy merch, really awesome Smee merch. Um, you know, the personalities on the team really speak for themselves, both in the arena and outside of it. Um, but yes, absolutely. In fact, most of our questions, like have a merch element to them uh, coming up. Like, when are we getting droopy plushies? Noel Villegas asks. Um, Heather Stringfellow wants a plushy star child. Brand, uh, Brian Mendocino wants to know if um, the toy Smee will be bendy or rigid. So, yeah, I think that that is, uh, you know, that's something people are definitely interested in. Fine. Yeah, uh, the, so we... we um... Yeah, we can definitely make some merch. Um, if I uh, the the toy speed I've been handing out for Battle Boss is definitely bendy, but for the, in the context of cock, it would have to be nice and stiff. Yep, <laughs> and long. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, all right. So this is an interesting question. Will Kent wants to know: We've only seen Droopy working on wooden floors. I'm not sure if that's true. Um, do you have any tests to show that its performance on the Battle Box floor would look like? Now that is interesting. For a walker like Droopy, how much do you actually concern yourself with the material of the floor? Does it affect you in the same way it does with like wheels or treads? Actually, the first event that Droopy competed at, which was November Necrosis in mm -hmm. SoCal, was a, a steel floor. And honestly, the performance on that floor was almost better than on the wood floor. So it's not that big of a deal. And you know, for the question of how the floor really affects the, the motion, it just depends how messed up the floor is, honestly. Like, uh, my f test floor is really messed up right now, and the walking is more difficult. So, if you do want to stop a droopy in its tracks, just destroy the floor. Go for the floor instead. <laughs> That's uh, a nice bit of strategy advice for your opponents. Thank you for that. Uh, just so you know, Paul Ventimiglia also listens to this podcast. So, um, don't, give out, don't give out too many of your secrets. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> right. I want to fight Bite Force. Um, I think it would be amazing to see you guys fight a Bite Force. That would be really cool. That'd be easy. Uh, mm -hmm. That would be easy. Oh, man. It never goes well for people that say that. Um, all right, so Jesse Mullen has two, a two-part question. Uh, so this one I think is interesting. What other BattleBots teams would work well together as a scaled-down multi-bot with synergy much like Kalk does? 
we'll go ahead and ask this one to Brandon first. So the question was, what other scaled scaled down heavyweights would work well as a yeah specifically battlebot teams? Yeah, which ones do you think would would scale down to work well together in the same ma manner? Oh goodness. Um, so I think the big thing is, so like you mentioned, you have to have kind of synergy between the robots, and if you want to work it the same way ours does, it would probably be. I'd really like something that's that's kind of frontline that can take damage and control the opponent even though it's kind of outgunned as far as weight goes and then something in the back that can deal damage but really can't take it as well um so i'd say probably you'd want like maybe a, a duck or a gruff or one of these other robots that's really kind of legendary for taking a million hits and not dying and the cool thing about duck or the cool thing about gruff i should say too is that they can kind of get an opponent into a position that they don't really want to be in and i mean and then the question is how do you how do you want to deliver the kind of big damage and it's i think i think your best bet would be another i mean i'm stuck in kind of what what we do so I mean, the best bet may be another overhead. You're looking at maybe like a Scorpio. Actually, I think a Scorpios is a really good pick because Scorpios can get absolutely smoked and still keep moving and still keep on ticking. They're in incredibly durable. You can, I, I don't think I've ever seen a fight where Scorpios doesn't look, it's like, how is this robot still moving? But, uh, and they're well-driven. That's another big thing is you have to be well driven. If you make a, if you make a mistake with an 80 pound robot against a 250 pound robot, you're going to get punted into the ceiling. So yeah. I would say maybe somebody who's frontline like gruff or a duck, and then maybe somebody who's a little maybe hybrid like a Scorpios. And then maybe you could have a heavy hitter. That's like a wedge vert or a big horizontal, like, uh, like a tombstone or, a, or, a or somebody like that. But the, I mean, the tough thing there too, is that you run into, you start to run into what we run into, which is if you have this enormous, incredibly powerful horizontal, like droopy, you get friendly fire. <laughs> so you have to build your robot to be able to take that too. So I think, I think my best answer would be a, if I were to pick three, it would be probably a, Gruff a Scorpios and a Tombstone. That would be that <laughs> would be my enough. pick. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Um, so I have I have one final question from just me. Um, how much or how are you guys preparing? How are you guys planning on um, keeping a straight face? when Farouk yells out it's cock and you have to walk through that that little archway to get into the arena because i don't see how you're going to be able to um look like a serious team while making that man's big booming voice say that i no. don't see how we don't <laughs> yeah For, Farouk has a way of making everything sound serious like we walked through his, his me puns and it's me and i think it, it wasn't a problem and i think I, and the nature of television is that he'll find a way to make everything sound good because that's his job. So we'll we'll, we'll have to see what happens. <laughs> I'm very excited about it. All right, so I'd like to finish up with some questions from Mary Catherine Carr. 
Um, she always gives us some really deep philosophical questions, so that's how we like to end the interviews. Uh, this first one, I will direct at Izzy. What percentage of your motivation to apply for BattleBots is just to make Chris and Kenny say cock? Um, more like to make everyone else say cock, but <laughs> definitely some percentage. I guess like I we, we just like we really love cock, you know. Like we just want to have like cock to be known, so that's why we we just like really want to. Get our name out there, you know. Uh, everyone knows Cock is a good robot, or Cock are good robot. Anyways, um, that's not important. But <clears throat> like, I honestly think that the name, right? The name doesn't matter, but it is our brand. So, yeah, we are jacked. <laughs> um, all right. So, next question is another. Uh, I guess you could say merch-related one. When can we get our cock fan shirts? Um, we'll settle for just individual team members, but I think folks are already interested in getting a cock T-shirt. So when do you think you guys could get one of those off the ground? Maybe you can uh, open a little marketplace, help help fund the build of the bots. I can do that before this episode airs. So by the time you're hearing this, it'll be available and the profits will be split among our teammates. So go ahead and check out this teespring.com slash SME or whatever it is. I'm not actually sure. You can how many I, I mean, you know what? You decide and you have to just guess. <laughs> you have to guess to get our secret story. Yeah, that, you, must, that, that that you must go into Teespring, hit slash, and then just brute force every possible <laughs> suffix until you find our store page. Well of them, man. Well of them. Now we'll update you guys. You'll, you'll find it. Yep. Uh, next question from Mary Catherine Carr. I imagine Droopy will need some boxers for TV. What's, fav what's Droopy's favorite character to have on his undies? Huh? Boxers? No, yeah. I was thinking of putting a thong onto live television. Nice. I mean, it is basic cable. I don't know if you can get away with that, but, you know, give it a shot. <laughs> Good point. Otherwise, I feel that just, you know, same old, just purely naked Droopy would also fulfill that that niche that we need. <laughs> fair, fair. Um, so here's the next question for Mary Catherine Carr. And it actually, it relates to another question earlier from another fan that I kind of skipped. Um, can Starchild get a pair of eyes so we can have pics? of huge and star child to use for uh don't talk to me uh, talk to me or my son again memes uh, which is a very valid question um and then the other question that was that's from earlier that i'm kind of curious about what visually are you planning for star child to kind of make it unique and distinct from other big wheeled robots we've seen on tv before like gabriel or like huge so uh so the thing is, so the thing is with Starchild is that it um, it fights completely uniquely to the way Huge fights. Um, it fights completely differently, which is which is great, um, and I think that's kind of a selling factor for it. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think I think no matter what you do, there's going to be people who look at it and say, "Big wheels, that's a huge ripoff." And so you, until you watch it and you see that it, it, it fights completely differently in the way Huge fights, but. Uh, 
that I mean, that is something I'm, I'm kind of I'm kind of kicking down the road as far as as far as aesthetics go. My goal with this is to with this this specific robot is to uh, have a really incredible robot wrapped in a cool scheme or in a cool theme rather than like focus on the theme first and figure everything else out later. Um, I mean, I don't I, I don't know if people quite get the reference with Star Child itself in that it's black and white. It has uh, it has the star on the top, and its name is Star Child. Yeah, it's, it's from yeah. Kiss. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Perfect. You nailed it. So I think I, I some people have been like, "What's the what's the thing with this?" And I explained to them, they're like, "Oh, okay." Uh, Paul Stanley's stage name is Star Child. So exactly. Um, yeah, maybe I, I you think just, uh, maybe you just need to talk to more boomers. They would get it. Yeah, there you go. And like, and leaning into that would be kind of cool. Like leaning into the kind of like hair metal kind of deal, um, but. It's tough because it's like huge is monochromatic. They're kind of like white and blue and being white and black would it would look pretty similar. It's definitely something on my mind as far as how to make it different. But um, I have confidence that we'll be able to make it be visually different and it definitely will fight different. So that's kind of where I'm where I'm at right now is it'll fight different. It'll eventually we'll figure out we'll figure out the, the perfect way to make the aesthetics different. Uh, like I said, I, 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 am thinking about leaning into the, the hair metal thing, but, uh, uh, I don't know if I want to wear a, a leotard on uh, discovery channel. So <laughs> yeah, you might not want to be that guy, but you could probably get some like, you know, lipstick for the robot. Yeah, there you go. Hmm. Um, all right. So this is the next question from Mary Catherine Carr. This is for Joe. If me is scaled down how long would you like to get it? I know you're still in design phase, but like what's a what's a good length for SME for you for the scaled down version? For um for for like a limited weight, I think I could get it to like 10 feet wide, which is I think acceptable. <laughs> acceptable. I would I would I would describe that as acceptable. Not optimal, you know, I would like to be a little bit wider, but that that, that would that would that would make me like okay with attending the event is 10 feet wide. Oh gosh. And that's with like a like point point two five inch air defender wedge all the way across would be would be about uh, ten feet wide. Um, I love that. That's really good. Um, all right. So the next question is a bit philosophical. This is uh, so if Droopy is thick cock, Smee is long cock. What oh, would no. you call Star Child? I mean, it's already a little uh, Freudian in shape anyway. So I don't know if we <laughs> want to go down this road. <laughs> yep, we'll leave that one right where it is. <laughs> uh, all right. So <laughs> do you think they'll have to pixelate all of Cox's battles and fan signs um, out of curiosity? I guess this would go to Tommy. Are you anticipating pixelated fan signs and pixelated robots fighting in the box? Oh, absolutely. Like uh, we already have discussed just putting the pixelation on the robots preemptively <laughs> just so they don't have to do that. You're really helping the post-production editing team by doing that. I appreciate it. <laughs> um, all right. So this is a uh, last question from Mary Catherine. Um, so Izzy, uh, She's, I'm super, she says, I'm super excited to see some estrogen balancing out this cock fest. So Izzy, can you tell us your favorite thing about each bot 
and one favorite thing about yourself? Oh, um, yeah, sure. I can tell you the first part, but probably not about myself. But that's not important. <laughs> Anyways, um, so let's start with Joe. I love how Smi is super long、mm-hmm. and with many E's. <laughs> that is something to love about Smi for sure. Yes, yes.、Um, and I like how like he went through several versions of it,、um, and like he went from UHMW to、uh, Titanium. Like every version of Smi is just genuinely getting better, and like it looks better. It looks. Uh, and it functions better, and he's like always aiming for a bigger drive motor、um, uh, instead of like using gearbox. So yeah, that's like I, I like how he three D prints on、um, gears using、um, PLA and you、uh, what's it called TPU. Yeah, so that's how that's that's like what I like about me and Starchild. Um, I like Star Child because it's getting so much better. Like you would not believe how hard that thing hits after it hits you. So I actually had like two match against、um, Star Child, like, and、um, with the same robot. And、um, at first, it was like the first version of Star Child, and obviously、um, Brandon was just testing it. And、um, and at first, I saw like this thing, like it's it's a tiny. Um, weapon and it's like it doesn't it doesn't seem like it will actually do anything to you.、Um, so I was like and and like kind of what happened was、um, I think Brandon had like、um, some problem with the um was it drive motor or、um... uh, so you, I threw my belt my weapon broke. And then you hit my drive pulley, and you're still the only robot who has done this.、Uh, you hit my drive pulley, and then I like wobbled around for the rest of the match, and you beat me. Ah,、uh, yeah, that, that's what happened. And、um, yeah, so at first I was like, oh my gosh, this robot, why, why, why is it even here? Like, I feel like, I feel like, like if he just have done like the saw blades or saw blades method of like having like an arm saw. That will work much better, but I do like the idea of Star Child. So like, um, I was like, I yeah, I should have no problem against this robot. And then that's what happened. That's when I had like a second match with Brandon, and that was like at the second, um, like like at the next event where he um improved everything, and I did not. <laughs> but that's my fault、uh, for doing that. And it, it just like it instantly hits my. Like hits the place that where I thought no one would hit, and it it just hits over the cap and like go right into the lipo and smoked the battery, and that was the end of that. So yeah, I'm super impressed. Like that's like the probably the、um, most damage any robot has ever done to my like that robot I have built. So yeah. And as for Droopy, oh my gosh, I always wanted to fight Droopy. Like, I never had a chance to fight Droopy. And like, when Tommy first showed me Droopy, and like, I was like, is that how you intend the move to be going? Like, because I would imagine、um, to have something that's spinning at the same time, and you kind of just like slides over the arena, which is what one of our、um, other friend did. But.、Um, 
droopy kind of just pivots and like it tilts, it droops, and then it walks. So like it's like, um, it's like I like how it's like such a new concept. And like if you think about it, you you would think, oh yeah, that's the thing, but you wouldn't think it will actually like do well, right? It's a new concept. Um. Um, that people has done it before, but if you were just like bring it to the competition at first, you wouldn't think it would just like do really well. It's like one of those ideas where it's like throwing you off, but you don't actually think it will do well. So I like how it's just like it not only did well, it also holds itself and like it just impressed everyone else. And I, I'm like super thrilled about the result. So yeah. A novel concept that turned out to be really dominant, for sure. Exactly. For sure. Yep. All right. So this is a, a last question for me before I let you guys go. And thank you so much for hanging out with us for this interview. I really appreciate it. Um, so a lot of people like to talk about BattleBots and Robot Combat specifically as a rock paper scissors game. Different uh, metas are like better for facing other metas. Um, so in the rock paper scissors of BattleBots. What kind of robot is Cock most suited to fight? So, you know, conventionally you'd play the game of rock, paper, scissors with rock, paper, and scissors. But we have all four. And by the fourth one, I mean we have rock, paper, scissors and a gun. So, you know, <laughs> we're going to play the game. And we already stacked the odds in our own favor. So, you know, at BattleBots, bring it on. I really don't care who we fight, honestly. Because I think it's going to be a lot of fun. And I hope it's entertaining. I don't think that we will have any situation where it will not be entertaining to have you guys out in the arena. Um, thank you guys so much for talking with us. We're looking forward to seeing Cock in the Battle Box soon, uh, hopefully. And um, are you guys going to bring it back to, to Norwalk and keep testing the concept and keep working together in the 12-pound division? Yeah, we're taking a break for the next event, maybe the next two events, but... Um, it definitely wore on all of us, um, especially the, those of us com uh, competing in the three-pound class, to constantly be ma maintaining two iterations of the same robot. So yeah. we'll take a break, and we'll come back ready uh, next time we're there. We're not going to half-ass our, our cock anyway. Um, that sounds fantastic. I can't wait to see you guys back in the Norwalk Havoc Arena again. And hopefully, fingers crossed, in the battle box again soon. Thank you guys so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we're traveling to the planet Cybertron, where wealthy fans of the original run of Transformers can pre-order a new premium robotic Optimus Prime for a measly $700 each. The robot stands 19 inches tall and is made up of more than 5,000 components, 60 microchips, and 27 servos. It's operated remotely by a mobile app and can respond to voice commands. The coolest feature? Optimus Prime can now transform by itself. So this is pretty cool. I uh, myself have not seen Transformers, um, but it sounds like a cool thing that if you want to just like drop $700 and then have it go against like, if you have a battle bot, you can like 
destroy it with your battle bot and it'd be only a $700 YouTube video to make. So that seems like <laughs> um, so it is generation one Optimus. It's not like Optimus from the movies or anything. It's like old school seventies cartoon Optimus. Yeah. Um, the voice command work seems to be really effective. Like I watched a video where Kevin Smith um, and uh, Jason Mewes were playing with one. The voice command stuff seems pretty smooth. And I got to say that transformation is super sweet. It's awesome. Yeah. My only concern is that the video might be sped up a little bit. Who knows? I'm skeptical of, you know, anything that's on the internet. Sure. Live. There was uh, the one that the, the Kevin Smith one, actually, it did look a little slow, like mm. the way that it transformed. But I would imagine that it would have to be. You know what I mean? Like, that's not a easy thing to do. Um, but it's a cool little toy. Uh, you know what size it is, Lindsay? You know those Japanese fighting, like, sumo robots where it's, like, the bipedal sumo robots that can knock each other out of the ring? Ooh, yeah. It's the same size as those. So you could totally put it into one of those tournaments. Okay. All right. That's pretty cool. I mean, that's a good alternative to just getting completely destroyed by, you know, Hypershock or something. It might even have an advantage because it could just transform into truck mode and then drive the other robots off of their their judo tables or whatever. <laughs> all right, all right. I think we need to have a transformer battle bot. Like, let's bring Mark Tetrakian out of retirement, give Mark Tetrakian like a hundred thousand dollar budget, and, and have no weight limit. No weight limit. No weight limit. Have a robot that comes out and you think it's gonna be one type of robot, but then it transforms and it's you realize it's modular. Oh no, I'm going up against a flipper bot. I thought it was a spinner. Nope. You know? Amazing. New a new strategy on the fly. All right. <laughs> it takes modular to a whole new uh whole new level. Yes, 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 yes. It's just there's so much weight you'd have to put into the actual transformation process. I don't know how uh, effective it would be. You definitely would have to do it with no weight limit. Uh, I do have bad news. Uh, the item does appear to be sold out. What? Wait, what? So I am currently looking at the website, and it says uh, Transformers Optimus Prime Auto-Converting Programmable Robot Collector's Edition sold out. Okay, three days ago when I wrote this script, it was on pre-order. I wow. messed up, all right? It says, this pre-order item will be available to ship on October 1st, 2021. Uh, so, I don't know. Maybe they'll have another round of pre-orders. Wild. Yeah, they're going to need to. Wild. Mm. Transformers fans are really dedicated, diehard people. Like, you know, they... they you'll see these giant karyo cases full of different generations of the same transformer and whatnot. You know, if you, if you're really into buying those toys and buying that, that paraphernalia, if you will, it can be pretty all consuming. I thought curio cabinets were only for holding Enchanticas. <laughs> no, actually the person I know that owns the most curio cabinets uh, owns them for transformers. Wow. That's interesting. What about the person that you know that owns the most Enchanticas? Uh, he owns the second most Curio cabinets. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I see. I think it's more like most items in a single curio cabinet. Yeah, 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 for sure. You gotta go. I, I'm more of a, a quality, not quantity kind of person. <laughs> That's about it for us today. We'll be taking a couple weeks off for spring break and heading down to Florida to put our mouths on things. <laughs> and we're going to return Wednesday, May 12th, with a special Norwalk Havoc episode of the show. We'll see you then, folks. Bye. 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 Was that too graphic? Nope. I think it was funny. This this was behind the bots after dark, so, you know. It I mean, was. It was. It really was. Okay. Ha, 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 ha.